The role of the modern-day pastor and ministry leader is changing. More and more pastors around the world today are ministry leaders who are doing multiple jobs and wearing multiple hats. They are bivocational or co-vocational leaders. They may be pastors looking for creative ways to use their church or staff to create income and revenue for sustainability. They may be ministry leaders who are looking for ways to launch for-profit initiatives or integrate innovation into their organization. They may be those who want to do missions globally and find creative ways to create sustainability. Or they may be marketplace leaders who are called to stay in the marketplace, but want to be part-time pastors, lay pastors, start ministries or nonprofits. This is the age of the new ministry leader. They wear different hats and do different things. They are technologically savvy and global. They are who God is using to make an impact in cities and communities around the world. This is the Entrepreneurial Ministry Leader Podcast, and these are their stories. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Tommy Lee here over with Northern Seminaries, the Growth Center's podcast called the Entrepreneurial Ministry Leader. And today I get a chance to talk with a new friend who we've known through email for a couple of years now, Pamela Philp, online connections pastor at Mariner's Church in Orange County. And it is probably, if you think of Orange Church, you think uh, Orange County, you think of Saddleback Church, and you think of Mariner's Church as two of your key churches. So how are you here, Pamela? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm very excited to be here and even talk about this new online world. I'm learning just along with everyone else. Um, I'm grateful for the opportunity to to discover yeah. and experience and just see how we can keep caring for people through digital um, abilities through the church. Yeah. And Pamela, your title is Online Connections Pastor. Yes. Tell me what that job description, when you're writing your job description, what does that look like on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, absolutely. That was my first question too when they offered it to me was what does this look like? Um, and what I appreciate about not just being an online pastor, but our online connections pastor is really at Mariner's Church. We're very clear about who we are and what we do and why we do it. Um, as most churches, our you know mission statement is geared towards building disciples as we're called to in scripture. Um, but then how we get there is something that we call our transformational loop. So it's groups, it's community, it's connecting, it's serving. Um, and so when we go to online, we want those same things. We want that same sort of pathway for people um, to feel known and seen, not just consuming from the church, but participating in the church. So a lot of my role is how do we get people um, to move into that participation stage and feel connected and known. Um, if it was straight technology, it would it would be terrible. I'm not a very tech savvy person, which is a little ironic for the role, um, but I love people and I'm wanting to help get people connected. Pamela, was this a new position? Are you, did they create this position out of COVID or do you, are you step into a position that someone left? Yeah, no, this was definitely a COVID creation. You know, mm-hmm. like churches, we'd always had um, the ability for people to watch online, um, but there was never direct engagement. And so when COVID hit and everyone moved to online only, um, we started using the church online platform and YouTube uh, yep. which was amazing. We just asked a bunch of our pastors, hey, jump on, start hosting. This is kind of now part of your role. Um, and I've been working at Mariners for 11 years now, predominantly in our outreach ministries. Um, but as a pastor, yep. 
at Mariners. I jumped in and started hosting and I, I fell in love with it. And of course, you know, if you show excitement of anything in the church, like, okay, this is yours now. Um, so got to learn more about the production and, and how we're reaching people. And then um, officially last December um, was when I was asked to yeah. become the online connections pastor. Do you feel like post COVID now, or more so as people get the vaccines and all of that stuff, how will your role be changing? Are you guys expecting there still will be a large percentage who like the online, will stay online? What's your plan? How are you guys anticipating a rollout in the next month, two months, or three months? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, so much of, we were really fortunate, I think, just um, where we are locationally and what we have access to, we start meeting in person last May, actually, um, we did smaller campuses and then we opened our, our larger campus in September and we have the weather and the space for people to be outside and to be safe. And um, so it was kind of watching the trend of are people going to be coming back in person? How is this going to affect online? And as much as we continue to see people coming in person, we're not seeing our online numbers going down. Um, so that has been a really encouraging thing for my role of, okay, we have all these people that are still engaging online some within Orange County where we're located, some within California and some across the country. Um, so we're trying to see how do we best bring them in again to that participation stage and even into a hybrid model of what does it look like for them to you know, be a part of the online community as well as coming to maybe one of our smaller campuses or main campus or drive-in or all the different options, um, but having the same level of care and connection regardless of where they're experiencing our church. And Pamela, for, for those who are not familiar with Mariners, this is not like, okay, Pamela, we're going to hire you and there's 200 people in our church. Mariners, tell me a little bit about Mariners. It's made up of a lot of different campuses. Yeah, yeah. So Mariners is over 50 years old. Um, as most churches started very small uh, and and at the our former senior pastor Kenton Bishore was with us for about 35 years um, and grew the church from 200 to about 20,000 people um, and we have we've done a lot of things over over the history of Mariners um, whether it's having other campuses or congregations um, sister churches that we get to bless that are that are outside of our church you know governing structure um, but a part of Mariners and then about three years ago uh, Kenton retired and Eric Geiger, our new senior pastor, stepped in. Um, and our current structure um, right now is we have two congregations, um, our Irvine congregation and our Huntington Beach congregation. And then we have six what we're calling neighborhood sites, um, which was something that was birthed out of COVID um, for having you know smaller gatherings where people could be safe. Um, and then looking at a, the, a couple of those becoming official congregations as, we, as we've seen them grow and connect. And then now we're actually calling online a congregation uh, where we have about, I would say, 5,000 different IP addresses that tune in over the weekends. Uh, you can equate that to how many people you want. Um, but we're, it's a pretty beautiful thing to see people yeah. see the church online. And Pamela, it has now created a good set of problems because now you got to figure out how do you build community? How do you build small groups? Especially if they're not in Orange County, where you say, just come on over to one of our small groups. Now, how do you build small groups amongst people outside of the US, outside of California, all of that stuff in many different ways? Yeah. Yes, great question. Um, that is 
again, something a part of our strategy of Mariners, we call it our Mariners loop, is, is grow together and going, how do we get people to grow together? We believe that people grow in circles and not rows, and rows are beautiful to, to worship, to learn, to listen, and there's growth that happens. But watching the transformation that comes in, sitting in a circle of seeing people, and we're and for us, uh, a big piece of that at Mariners Church is um, Rooted program, which is our 10-week discipleship experience. Um, that was actually something that we learned from our global partners, um, brought to Mariners, and now it's a whole network of about over 500 churches across the U.S. using it. Um, but there was such an intentionality of togetherness and rooted, and so we were really hesitant of what does it look like online. And we launched our first one last summer um, and we we're blown away, absolutely. And now it's a consistent part of our Rooted Rhythm which happens three times a year. So we encourage our online audience to engage in Rooted, um, to be a part of that. We offer uh, an, a, our theology classes online. We do a monthly next step class, an online new believers class. Um, so a, a, at least an inviting people into community, which I think is really important, but for the main kind of hub of Mariners of how to connect, how do we gauge growth and discipleship, um, it really points back to Rooted. And we had last session in the winter, um, over 250 people sign up for an online Zoom Rooted group, which just yeah. really yeah. blew my mind. <laughs> More on Rooted and influence from Nairobi in a bit, but let me ask you a follow-up question. Is even in terms of the online connections, what is something that you've learned that has gone really, really well that you say, man, we've never done this before. We're going to keep doing this. But what are the things that are still potential holes or weaknesses through online that in-person community doesn't allow you to create? They say, wow, this is still probably got to really be able to shore this up. we got to continue to make sure that we pay attention to this. Yeah. Um, I would say something that we've learned that the kind of newness and, and, and really something that really surprised me was just how many people are leaning into wanting to engage online. And so I, for those familiar with the church online platform, there's a public chat and there's ability to do one-on-one -on -one, um, prayer requests and, and prayer chats. And I've been able to, we standardly uh, in person at Mariners, we um, utilize our shepherding elders as part of our prayer team um, that are there every weekend. And so looking at that need online, I'm like, we need to get some elders in here to start praying with these people that are requesting prayer. So I have a, a small uh, team of our elders that join me online to do those one-on-one -on -one prayer chats. Um, and that's really just blown me away with the things that people are willing to share and there's yeah. two things where it can create a barrier, but it also can break down a barrier where I think there's a little bit of freedom um, for people to share more openly about their prayer requests or what's going on in their lives. Um, and we're watching them come back and you get to kind of yeah. follow their story and their journey, which I never thought would be such a significant thing in that platform. There is a sort of anonymous factor, right? That they are very open online there versus if you and I were in person, People are sitting there, well, we're going to do, have to do community together, see my family. But online, well, I just get to engage, and there is some sort of thing that allows me to still engage and but be anonymous in some sense. Yeah, oh, completely. And and so that's the hard part, right, is you want to pull that out. You want people yeah. to and and also engage in the in the painful things. You know, we um, treat our, our church online platform as as our patio and so when if anyone ever has an inappropriate comment or you know just feels like it's their own social media personal page um we get to engage that and luckily we can we can delete and mute but but in that i never 
like to have a negative interaction with somebody without giving an opportunity for a conversation. So in moments where we've had to to maybe delete a comment, it always comes with a direct message of like, hey, here's why I had to take that down, but let me talk to you here, how are you doing? And I, I would say eight times out of 10, people are willing to engage so much deeper because um, they want to get their frustration out, but yeah. really what you're getting to is the core of, of where their pain is actually located. I'm like, you responded very harshly, but what you're really dealing with is something completely, well, oftentimes completely different. And it's still that pastoral care yeah. we get to provide. But then you have experiences, right? Like communion and baptisms. You're like, how do you do this online? And so, yeah. you know, we we um, we pre-record our weekend service so that our teaching pastor can talk directly to our online audience. Instead of it being just a, a live look in where you're watching people take communion and feel like you're missing out, um, we talk directly to them. I'm like, hey, gather the elements ahead of time. Use what you have in your house. This is going to happen. So really trying to be intentional that it's their personal experience yeah. as well. Um, yeah. And then in groups and, and all of that too. Very, very good. Tangibly speaking, let's talk details and all that stuff. Yeah. With all your factors, surveys, everything, is it through Zoom or if people are watching this, what platforms are you using? I just know of Zoom. I, these days it's hopping. Which one, what do you guys recommend? Yeah, our two main platforms for the weekend service are um, the church online platform, um, which is a pretty standard one that I think a lot yeah. of churches are using these days, and YouTube. Um, so I, I, you know, have looked at Facebook Live and, and different things, which I think are, are great depending on your audience. Um, but when, in for my my thought, especially with Mariners, and one of the things that I love so much about Mariners is it is it is a mega church, but there's such an intimate and personal feeling, and so I think with so many options, you can kind of dilute the community, and so yeah. having one or two platforms allows everyone to be in the Got same it. place engage and and feel like they're a part of something more than if we just had, you know, five to ten platforms where people were so spread out. Yeah, 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 yeah. And why YouTube? What have you found about YouTube? Church Online, we totally understand. Why do you find YouTube is better than Facebook Live for you? I think that more people access YouTube, um, especially when they're using their smart TVs and have the ability just to click on the app and to watch the service directly, um, where some people, the integration with Facebook Live, maybe on their TV opposed to their computer yeah, isn't yeah. compatible. Um, and it still allows us to have a chat feature, which again is a little shut off when people do full screen, um, but but YouTube feels like it's more accessible to more people yeah. um, opposed to another platform. Yeah. For you guys as a church, I know you have classes, you have seminars, all that stuff. Do you guys also then begin to do small groups online and separate them into small groups or how have you guys been able to break down everything? Yeah, so um, Rooted, like I said, is one of our main yeah. vehicles for community and, and small groups. So it's 10 weeks. And we have our registration that people can sign up for an online Rooted group. Um, and we group them appropriately by our, our normal standards of demographic, age, life stage, that kind of thing, um, with the hopes that they would continue on. Um, same Rooted and our we do these theology classes called Deep Dive. Um, those are kind of our two main courses online. And right now we're in such a learning stage. I mean, this is so new. Um, but when we talk about online church or online ministry, it's not just taking what we have in person and throwing that on a Zoom call. Um, but we're really starting to think through what what do people want? What do people need? How are they consuming information? How are they connecting in community? Um, so there's there's a lot of conversations happening yeah. right now, which get me really excited. Um, but I'm so proud that we can say, hey, this is happening online. Hey, if you're not... yeah 
you know, comfortable or safe or, you know, all the different things or even out of state and haven't found a, a local church or if you're in an area where churches are still not open. Um, you know, how can we care for you and create that community? And it's I, I, even I um, uh, last month we, we did a a new believers class and I had I had six people um, show up to this Zoom class for four weeks and just the level of connection and intimacy and care. I'm like who uh, zoom fatigue is real who's still showing up and people are because they're hungry they're hungry for real connection and relationship yeah yeah and suddenly a year ago you had to, everyone was in the vicinity of orange county now you have to figure out what happens when someone from texas what happens when someone from the east coast what happens when someone from latin america and africa all come together how do you begin to contextualize because mm -hmm. suddenly you have different groups coming in that you never expanded because how you did church was based in the orange county oh yeah absolutely um that's a, a really big deal for us and and honestly a very deep theological point too of what is as a pastor your shepherding responsibility when you yeah. stand you know before jesus one day uh, and you're accountable for these people but to what extent does that go um and so kind of how we thought about it one of a new thing that we started um, probably last may or june uh, something that we called mariners hosted here um, and wanting people to who are bringing mariners whether it's into their homes or not comfortable being out or they're out of state or just out of proximity, how are they inviting their family, their friends, their neighbors to come and watch church together? So we provide them you know, with a couple additional resources and on-demand link to our service so they don't have to watch at the exact time of service. Um, and then discussion questions and um, opportunity for them to kind of be in their own community. I think that I'm, I'm kind of really excited about this hosted here model as we continue to grow in places that we never thought we would be, um, to be able to equip the local church being the local people um, and how to care and be in community and grow disciples and all those things, which could be, um, you know, doing the weekend services or starting to do Rudy Group, actually. I, I talked to a few people, um, one couple in particular last week who live in Colorado, and they used to come to Mariners, they moved, um, but they've been watching online. They host the service in their house with some neighbors and some friends, and now we're talking through what would it look like for you guys to lead that group through Rooted. So it's they're creating their own community and their church. With that said, Pamela, let me ask you another detailed question in terms of, all right, so, Mariners, you're probably a big enough thing where you can't just throw ideas and hope it'll work. What does that process look like? Is you, you're going into uncharted territory. It's not like people have done this before. When you come with the idea, when a team member comes up with an idea, what does that look like to filter it, to discuss it, to look at pros and cons? What happens in those discussions? Yeah, um, it's it's funny because you would think that the size and, and everything that we do, like, yes, there would be a long process, but I actually really appreciate the freedom in our leadership, especially with such new territory to like, let's try a bunch of things, not erratically. Um, we want them to be aligned again to who we are um, and to our, our loop process. It has to be able to kind of fit in that in those categories. Um, but there's a lot of openness to, to opportunities and options. Um, so I'm actually really grateful for that. I'm hopefully going to be meeting um, with our production team soon to even talk about do we restructure our service to accommodate, you know, how people consume in their homes? You know, do they want as many worship songs? Do we need to provide more kind of 
breaks in the middle to ask questions or to pause differently. Um, and so I appreciate that that we we don't know what we don't know and we're willing to learn and to try. And I think that that's a really unique part of our culture. Yeah, and but wouldn't you say a lot of times is it's not like Pamela's gonna be out there spending all of this money just throwing random ideas out there. You have to anticipate potential responses. You have to be ready for all of your different outcomes. You have to yep. handle different fires that come up all the time. You have to ask yourself, is this cost effective for us to keep doing and sustaining over a period too? Yeah, and that's kind of the joy of online is a lot of the costs of things are very low or non-existent or look a different way. You know, when you try to put on events in person, whether that's just the food alone, you know, so we, it gives us a little bit more freedom, I think, to try things as well um, because we have a little bit less of a budget when it comes to the cost. Especially the rental of a building. You suddenly look at a church wanting to start, they're going to look at a rental of a building, guarantee it's going to be probably a thousand dollars a week to set up. Then you have all of the volunteers coming in who have to set up the place, move yep. equipment, sound equipment, you got to buy your projector, all of that stuff. Versus here, hey, look, I'm going to pay my $200 a year or $5,000 fee for my, my platform to do all this stuff. Exactly, exactly. And and then the one like, you know, visual or, or actual tangible thing we have for our church alignment host from our um, Irvine campus. And I have like a little during services and I have a little backdrop and we have a big TV where people can see the chat. Um, it really helps try to connect people to recognize too. It's not just this campus or, or Mariners in person online and so many people that made the connection as well of oh my gosh you're a real person oh this was really happening and my personal favorite is the people who found us online that yeah. that their first exposure to the church was being willing to watch a YouTube service or jump on a church platform and now they're actually coming in person and, and connecting even more yeah. deeply with different ministries. Yeah, Pamela, I mean, I appreciate the fact that as you and I are talking about it, you got your MDiv, all of that stuff. No, I'm kidding. You were, you and I were talking about that. You were a med major. You were pre-med major way before all this, and now you had to pivot. Talk, talk to me a little bit about your journey. Oh, yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, so I, I you know, grew up in Orange County. I grew up in the church. I'm really grateful for the foundation that, that was set in my life. I went off to college to Biola and actually uh, thought medical school was my path. I pretty much resisted. I didn't take one Bible class my first year. So I'm like, this is not what I'm doing in my life. Um, and God had such different plans for that. And I uh, was able to finish my degree and got my minor in Bible. I wish I would have probably appreciated uh, those classes a little bit more. Um, and then uh, actually spent about a year and a half overseas working with different ministries and nonprofits um, and different opportunities to experience more of the church. And I think the two biggest things that I learned that the Lord kind of showed me in, in that season was um, it's all about his heart above any need around us, because when we run after need before running after God, we are going to exhaust ourselves and operate in our own strength. Um, and that was just really profound for me personally. Um, and then just a lot of identity of, you know, we God has already created and called us and we get to discover who he's created us to be. Um, so in 2010, I returned to Orange County. I applied for a job at Mariners. Honestly, like, not even thinking anything about passion or future or where I want to be, but just open-handedness of where can I serve. Um, 
and got connected with our outreach ministries at Mariner, specifically with our global ministries. And I loved that. Um, it's led by Christian Mungai, who is um, from Kenya originally. He's been in the States for over 20 years and is just beyond a visionary um, when it comes to global voices, um, global trends, how we serve and relate. Um, his big kind of passion is this idea of a global family of the body of Christ, um, not being the Western church or the African church or the Asian church, but we're, we all are part of the body of Christ. Um, so that was my journey at Mariners. I don't know how much you want me to go into detail about that, but, and how I ended up here, but I, I absolutely am loving it. <laughs> Two things that stick out is that a lot of times serving out of need, you start realizing there is need everywhere you go. And Lord, I could keep serving on need. Eventually I'm gonna burn myself out. What is it that you want me to do? And sometimes like you shared, you didn't know, but can I be faithful to where I am now? And can I spot open doors? And when you took that role at Mariners working with Christian, who we both know, did you know this was gonna to lead to online connections, Pastor? No. Was that open door that you saw that really fit with what you're looking for? Yes. Who knew that you thought you were going to be a pre-med? Then it went over to uh, international missions and global missions. Then went to work as a working in the global missions department. Now it means something different. If you look back, how did all of those experiences prepare you to do what you're doing now? Well, Jesus. Um, honestly, I think two things. One, working with a pastor like Christian um, really grows your heart for people. Um, yeah. his, his biggest desire is to see the image bearer in everyone. And as a recipient of that grace and love over 10 years, it has really helped form how I love and see people. Good. And I think that's why I connected so deeply um, because it wasn't just, oh, we have to like host the service and people are all over the place. It was like, I, I love recognizing names and even screen names and having people come up on the patio and introduce themselves to me by their screen name handle, you know, and it's, it's all of a sudden you're, you're connecting and you're seeing there's a real person who's, who's with us, who's desiring to, to hear from the Lord, to worship. They might be in a place of pain, um, but, but not taking that interaction lightly, but really holding it with, I think the reverence that we're called to hold any conversation we have with as followers of Christ. Um, and then I think, secondly, uh, the, the idea of the global family, um, that has been one of the biggest gifts in my life of how are we learning from other cultures, other churches, seeing the body come together. And I look at online, knowing predominantly right now, it is um, mostly California, mostly the United States. But when we get people popping in from other countries, like it just warms my heart uh, to see because we get to learn so much from each other. And this is creating an, a, a new space that that we as mariners haven't experienced um, in this extent. So I'm, I'm don't know how far that reach is going to go, but I'm really excited. And then seeing some of our global family members jump in and say hi at different points. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I love that we're, you know, getting to do church together in a way that we've The one thing Pamela and in, in the time that I've worked globally, you start realizing, I think you've known this when you travel and work with different global missions, God has already been at work in those different cities. He has had a plan. When I go into Jakarta, Indonesia, or Singapore, or Kuala Lumpur, or Nairobi, my job isn't to save the world, isn't to save their city. As Americans, sometimes we think we're the savior. My job is to be a student, to honor, to respect the culture, and say, Lord, what is it that you're doing? 
and mm -hmm. how can I serve the city well? And my job is to ask questions, to learn, to listen, to respect, to honor all of those people. And it looks like what you guys are doing is, as you continue to grow, what are the cultures that we're working with? How do we serve those cultures mm -hmm. well? How do we contextualize in those areas? Absolutely. And honestly, that's the most humbling part of like, who am I that I get to be a part of this and do this? And then I look at, you know, even making the decision. I'm still I still work with Christian on, on our um, global. We call it global convener, global family. And I'm so grateful that that gets to be a part of my role. Um, but even making the decision to move from outreach to the online community, I was like, God, you would not give me these experiences, these relationships, this learning and depth to not use it. And I don't know fully what that's going to look like online, but I hope that my heart and posture stay that that same way of, of seeking to learn and to listen and recognize um, the joy of functioning as yeah. the true body of Christ and learning from our global brothers and sisters and um, the opportunity that we have there is I, I don't even, I can't even imagine yet what that might yeah. be. I'm really excited for it. Yeah. And for you, I'm very excited and encouraged by our conversation as well, too. I look at Pamela Phil, online connections pastor. If it was a number of years ago, it would have been Pamela, student, undergrad student at Biola, wanting to go into med school. Then it was Pamela, global missionary. Then it was Pamela, global missions team. You never know the chapters that God has, how many chapters were within the book, but those chapters are unique to all of our lives. Yes. Completely, completely, completely. And that is, you know, we talk so much about, I, I've never been a person that is like, okay, this is my, you know, title. This is what I'm going after. Like, that's not my, my drive. Um, but it really is, God, what are those open doors? I want to be open-handed. And the second I, I close my fist of like, no, this is mine. Like I'm going to, that's not going to end well. And so I know for me, the passion that God's put on my heart is identity. I, the more we know who we are in Christ, like how beautiful, because we get to live more in the fullness of what he's created for us. So whether that gets to be in global ministry and just relationships yeah. or now in online, I don't know live out that call that God's put on my heart, regardless of the title or platform or place yeah. where he places me. I want to, I want to honor that call and I want to do it hopefully to the best of, of not just my ability, but empowered by the Holy spirit. Pamela, I was born in 1977. I'm 44 years old. As I talk with you, you are significantly younger than I am. I was grown in a period of time where it was always, especially in the Asian Americans, respect and honor your elders as you are young and growing up. You don't say anything. You work yourself up. You respect and honor your elders all of that time. You were not always valued because of your age. Mm -hmm. It seems like you have really been empowered at Mariners. You're probably working with elders, like you told me, who are older than you as well, too. How does it feel like to be empowered? What does that feel like for you? How does that help you to grow as a leader? Mm -hmm. Good question. Um, I'm probably older than, than I look or older than you think. I'm actually... Uh, turning 35. Um, so you so, look young. Hey, look, I have no hair. All right. All right. <laughs> so the hair helps. The hair helps with youth. Um, but you know, I, I think twofold Mariners is, a, a, a developing a development kind of atmosphere. Um, and that came from our former senior pastor to our current senior pastor. And we want people to grow. We want people to use the gifts that God's called them to and, and to have opportunities to learn and to fail and to learn and to fail. Um, and then 
working with Christian, of course, uh, could not ask for a better um, mentor and pastor and friend who really went after who I was as a person more than the work that I produced. And when we develop people at that core, I think the gifts and, and their natural abilities are going to come out even more. So I, you know, at Mariners, I feel like I was given a lot of opportunity. I love being a little bit more behind the scenes. I'm very administratively driven. I'm relational and passionate and love people, but I also love spreadsheets and putting things together and having puzzles, you know, completed. And and I was really okay being behind those scenes for my team, um, for uh, Christian and, and the and our global partners. And ha- and what I loved was the relationships came so naturally, um, but never had to be you know, the the main kind of at the forefront. And so when I finally did get licensed at Mariners and got affirmed in in that giftedness and then given this opportunity, it's still, I still want to hold it in the same way and be true to myself of like, okay, I know where my gifts are. I know where, who I'm not and how do I get to what they've hopefully called out in me is me being me in that role, which is again, very humbling and, and very thing I'm grateful for. But I do think it takes a, a, an environment that fosters that, that encourages that, that allows for that, and that actually calls you into that. Because I think most of the greatest leaders in this world didn't think they were the greatest leaders in this world, right? That's the whole tapping on the shoulder mentality, calling into being what might be there or what might be there in the future, but you need to have those people to speak into your life. And and then now, how do I get to do that for our younger? We do have a pretty young staff. And so I, I'm actually on the older end and being there for 11 years now, it's like, what, how are you here for so long? I'm like, I still feel young. Um, but recognizing the gifts and the opportunities that I was given. And now in my position, how am I giving those to other people? Yeah. Last question, because this is very important. You said this, as soon as you said you, you were working with the young staff, is I find that a lot of times in ministry or even working with ministry, I've been doing this for about 15 years. The one thing that has carried me so far is being organized. The Bible is great. That is so key. It is the ability, wouldn't you say, to take an idea, break it down to little steps, figure out what your budget is, what your timelines is, who you need, and manage the project. It is surprising as I work in ministry, that is actually the one skill that a lot of times ministry leaders need to learn. Yes. I I definitely agree, um, which is why I think we do well in hiring people with all different skill sets and honoring those gifts. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm like, when I look, especially at the gifts of the Holy Spirit and and you have pastoral and teaching and shepherding, and I think those are celebrated really well in the church and administration kind of gets appreciated, but not celebrated. And so being in an environment that celebrates the Holy Spirit gift of administration is a powerful, powerful thing, which I think actually invites more people into it. But I, yeah, it's usually not the top skill in in most churches. Um, And I'm grateful that at least amongst our teams, we, we really do take time to, to learn whether that's through like personality tests or or work tests to see where people's skills are, where our teams are lacking and how are we specifically hiring for those things and being intentional about having a well-rounded team. Very good. Very good. Pamela, I'm not sure about you. It's our first time talking. 35 minutes have already passed. Time flies. I want to make sure I honor your time. Thank you so much for taking time out to talk. I'm so grateful. I, you know, the, the, I'm very new to this, you know, podcasting world. I like my behind the scenes and you made it very easy and comfortable. And I appreciate that a lot.
we will get together and talk again because I want to hear a little bit more as the churches open up, as California opens up in June 14th, how then do you guys pivot? What are some of the changes that you're seeing? What are you keeping? What are you dumping? What are you reframing? All of that stuff. Absolutely. And hopefully I'll have a lot more learnings in the next few months as well. Yeah. And Christian, uh, if you're listening to this, boy, did you lose a key member of your team? I don't know how this happened here. <laughs> don't remind me. He's still grieving. So I yeah. am too. It's hard. <laughs> Pamela, thank you. Online Connections Pastor at Mariner's Church. And we will talk soon here, Pamela. Thank you so much, Tommy. Appreciate it. Talk soon. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of the Grow Center's Entrepreneurial Ministry Leader Podcast. To stay connected, make sure you subscribe to the Grow Center channel, rate and review this episode, and make sure to share on your social media platforms. We would love for you to follow along with the Grow Center on Instagram and Facebook at Grow Center Network and our website at www.thegrowcenter.com. See you next time.